All right, welcome back to another Shifting Schools Off the Cuff. So this is the problem is Trisha and I were talking before I clicked record and then we were just like, we got to just click the record, otherwise it won't be off the cuff. So we've just got to click record and, and go for it. So uh, apologize if we're not talking in complete sentences and we seem like we're talking off the top of our head because that's what off the cuff is. It's just uh, two people having a conversation who are passionate about education and supporting educators. So Trisha, um, Again, we just got done. We should have talked about this. I, I love the weather. People, most people know that. I've got like one of the most fanciest weather stations you can have, full disclosure. Uh, I'm all about the weather. But we were talking how cold it is uh, in Ottawa. You're negative 14 Celsius. That's right. Yes. I um, I thought coming out of January, like I don't know why, you know, it's like that fake fake spring. I thought yeah. maybe it was coming. It's my first winter here in Ottawa and I'm still learning. Oh no, winter is going to stick around uh, for a while, but yes, you can feel it. It's like, um, you feel the frost on your eyelashes, uh, and your nose hairs. It's that yeah, kind of cold. Everybody probably has been, well, I don't know if everybody's been there, but that idea that you take a deep breath and you can feel your nose hairs kind of freeze that that's cold. That's some cold. Mm -hmm. that's some well, let's, let's have a chat today. Um, you know, both of us have been working on this idea of our two new pathways, the five, uh, five-day challenge around gener generative AI and also equity in uh, equity with AI. And I think today, as we were kind of talking before we click record, is just this idea of how do we remain curious in education? And I think if there's a word for today's episode that you and I keep coming back to is like, how how do we just remain curious about this in a time that we don't really know where it's going to land. It's still very much in its infancy stages. You know, I read an article this morning that there's now a professor that's requiring his students to use chat GPT. We have school districts on the other end that are completely banning chat, chat GPT. We're kind of all over the place right now with just AI in general. And chat GPT is just the AI right now that's on everybody's mind. Um, but I think at the end of it, it's just this idea of how do we remain curious and be in a place that it's okay not to know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like we can proactively take that stance or that stance is almost going to be like forced upon us because the reality is we we don't know, right? I yeah. um I, I just I I think anyone who's been familiar with the AI generative AI space, they've all been sort of surprised at how quickly some of these tools have evolved. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking two years out from today, what might this look like? And yeah. we don't know. Um yeah. and I, I I do think curiosity is going to allow us to have those sustained conversations around, well, how might we use this tool creatively with our students? Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of just how even with creative writing, you know, I, I would be using this right now. You can prompt chat GPT to give you a poem in the style of, yeah. and I would even just be, okay, let's take this as our initial text. Let's delete some of it for students where they need that starting point. Jeff, you and I have talked about the strategy called backward chaining, where instead of starting from nothing, instead of starting from the blank page, give students an access point. And I think chat GPT is a really creative way 
to engage that strategy as just a starting point, right? Um, And we've been really fortunate to hear from a bunch of folks, their thoughts in terms of the direction their school is headed, conversations they're overhearing in the hallways, um, you know, things that they are sharing with their peers about what might their approach be. And we were really fortunate to have Patrick Holt actually share uh, a voice memo with us that we wanted to share with with uh, our listeners too, in terms of, you know, I love he calls it his journey with AI, mm, yeah. um, and and talks about what's happening on his campus. So should we uh, should we let folks listen to that? Yeah, let's go ahead and play that audio. Hi there, my name is Patrick Holt. Um, I'm the dean of learning at Excel World Academy in Singapore. I guess my AI journey started sometime, maybe October, November, when I read an article about OpenAI um, and the tool they had at that point called AI Playground, I believe it was called. And I, I messed around with it, asked it a few things, tried to write some text. But when it really started was I covered a class for, uh, for a colleague and he asked me to join his Google Classroom and ended up joining that Google Classroom as a student. Um, fast forward a couple of days and I found an email in my inbox asking me to do a history assignment because I was a student in that classroom. Normally I'd ignore something like that, but uh, my curiosity got the better of me. And long story short, I used that OpenAI tool to answer um, the, uh, the prompts in his, uh, in his scaffold for his, the essay that these students were supposed to write. I did it in about three minutes and then I turned it into him. And then I asked him to see what, what he thought about it. Long story short, he said it was it, it wasn't it was a probably if you're familiar with uh, MYP grading, he said it was about a five or a six that it was a good result. So anyway, that kind of was a, a big um, conversation starter for a lot of us, especially after I told him that I had um, created the responses with uh, with an AI program. And at the same time, we were this was sort of going on. Uh, we were I was talking with my colleague who's the director of technology, and we were trying to figure out how we could um, speed up and help people do reports. And of course, we were discussing AI and how that would be a useful tool. And so my colleague Martin came up with a something called Real Fast Reports. We, we just I can't remember how we found it, but it, it came up. And Real Fast Reports is an AI report writer. And so we dove into that and we managed to get a little bit of funding for it. And we got licenses for teachers. And so our teachers at the end of last um, semester a good majority of them experimented with OpenAI, or sorry, with um, with this real fast report writer, including myself, which it, it was pretty straightforward. You put in a student's name, you put in a few, um, you put in some prompts to it, and it creates lovely little comments for um, for your students. And then that was sort of the background to when ChatGPT exploded uh, in the last couple of weeks. And so a lot of our teachers already had AI in their heads because of real fast reports. And so it just started a lot of interesting conversations. And it, what was really fascinating about it is that, uh, you know, we didn't really do anything to promote it in the school, except it just because of its the popularity of it and the explosion in the media, people were were talking about it. And I started asking people questions. Uh, I had one one colleague who said that he was using it to create vocabulary lists. Uh, for assignments, he was getting it to create instruction sets of instructions for typical typical tasks in class, um, and there was just the other most interesting thing was that people were talking about it in the halls, and I came across a conversation uh, in which 
one colleague who had been experimenting with it with her grade six students was telling the science teacher about it and he was fascinated with the idea um, and they were just sharing this all around. Um, and so it just continues to be a conversation and well, what's next? How are we gonna make use of this? Uh, maybe um, less informally and more formally, are we going to integrate this into what we do? Are we going to teach kids to use this tool to write? And of course, um, we're also considering um, do we have to have a policy in school about how we deal with um, chat GPT simply because there's also going to be a camp of people that, that feel it's cheating. Some people still feel it's cheating. Um, that's a debatable thing. Uh, so that really has been our journey with, with AI and chat GPT up to this point. There, of course, just to reiterate, there's lots of our more curious um, and sort of forward-thinking teachers who are just playing around with it continually and talking about it. And I guess the most, the biggest, my favorite thing about it all is how organic it's been and how teachers really see how this is going to transform what they do. But not only that, it's a tool that they can, um, that they can use. And it's, and nobody's telling them, they're just seeing it. And that's, for me, as a previous technology integrator, um, it's something that, uh, I love, I really like seeing that it's clearly something that is going to change what we're doing um, organically. All right. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. So I think listening to Patrick, one of the things that came to my mind was this idea of we are really focused, as we should be, but we are really focused on, oh, what does AI mean for my kids and what does AI mean for my classroom? But I think there's also this this idea when when something like this comes along, we have we start asking ourselves, well, how does this impact me? And one of the things I love that he mentions is the AI uh, that helps teachers. Like it's cre- it's called Real Fast Reports, and you can sign up for free. You can try it for free. Realfastreports.com. If you go over there, it's pretty incredible. You write a bunch of bullet points. You give it the student's name. You give the gender of the student, you get some bullet points, and it will instantly write the narrative for you. And I start thinking about, yeah, to your point, like we can use it as a thought partner in classrooms with getting started with poems, with creative writing. But there's this other side of it, like, okay, but as a teacher, how how am I getting curious about saving time for me? Can I go to an AI like ChatGPT and write in, hey, I need a lesson plan on teaching. X, Y, and Z. Is it going to be the perfect lesson plan? No, because it doesn't know your kids. But does it give you some ideas of like, oh, I never thought about approaching that topic that way before. And that might work for one of your kids, right? Like we can use it as a thought partner, I think. And that's what I keep coming back to is this idea of, can we start with it being a thought partner for me? It's not a replacement, but I love to bounce ideas off of you, Trisha. I mean, you and I go back and forth in Slack almost all day long, bouncing ideas off of each other. And that's a thought partner, but you have this other thought partner now that is based on the computer that gives you just a different perspective, you know, and I, I just keep coming back to what does that mean for us as educators and how, not only how's this impacting my kids, but how does it start impacting maybe what I do uh, in my, in, in school, in my classroom, in our school as an all, or, you know, even in my, in my personal life. So I don't know. I think, you know, with any sort of educational technology, that is always a great place to start from is let's see what value this has 
for you within your day to day. So I'm thinking of even when like Google Workspace kind of disrupted everything and folks needed to learn like, how do I use my Google Calendar? Um, You know, and something that a team that I was working on, we actually were helping folks. Let's forget about the professional for a moment. Let's actually just use this and see how it might be of value to you within your family, within your friendship life. And I found that had, you know, people were really motivated to learn to use it in that way. Um, You know, one time when I was running, we were just doing like short bursts of professional learning. And at the time, I loved Google Keep. And Mm. so what I said is here's, you know, I use Google Keep, of course, for my professional life. But at the time, that was how my grocery list was done. Yeah. My wife and I would have a Google Keep list. And then if she had been shopping or, you know, picked something up on the way home that I didn't know about, we would just tick that box on Google Keep because it's updating live for both of us, right? And I, I think often with these tools, when we experiment with it in that way first, you can see, is this going to be valuable or is this just like another flash in the pan? Not going to be really useful because I find a lot of the best educational technology does it, it you know it has that bleed over into both spaces our personal and our professional life so yeah. i think uh, act, absolutely experimenting with chat gpt i think i mentioned last week you know one of my frustrations is if i'm looking up a recipe on the web I don't know if you've noticed this, Jeff, but it's like five paragraphs, a video, yeah. another personal <laughs> essay, <ad>. yes, <laughs> and then the recipe list, right? Yeah. So it's so difficult to just directly get a recipe. However, chat GPT, here's the ingredients. Maybe here's a dietary restriction. Can yep. you give me a recipe for? Boom. It's yep. right there. It's so um, crazy. Yeah. And I uh, full disclosure, my wife and I still use a shared Google Keep for our grocery list. So it's such a great <laughs> hack if nobody's doing that. <laughs> it's still our, our go-to, our go-to grocery list. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's so many different ways that this can impact us in our personal lives and then bring that into the classroom and, and think about where that's going to go. And I think at, at, at the end of the day, where it starts, and we all know this, right, is how as a leadership, are you getting curious? If you are a tech coach in a leadership position, which you are, you're supporting multiple educators. How are you getting curious with chat, chat GPT? If you are a principal uh, or a vice principal, how are you getting curious? If you're a team leader, how are you getting curious? And our hope is, is that one of the reasons why we made the five-day challenge was to support you and your team getting curious. Right, this idea of just micro doses of can you take ten minutes, go try this out, see what you think, see what impact it might have. Have a conversation with somebody else about it, and just get curious in this space that is new for for many of us. Yeah, and I, I think the challenge dynamic also reminds us this is not about knowing everything overnight or having to yeah. spend seven hours straight trying to read every think piece about it that's out there on the web, but just a little bit of playful experimentation every day. And to your point, Jeff, you might do this with your teaching colleague or your PLC. You might also take this on with your class. Right. Um, yeah. And do some of that modeling and have a conversation both about what went well with this, but also what is this not 
quite able to do yet? And where is it actually that, um, you know, we, yes, it's a thought partner. Where is it that we will have to step in and, um, you know, use our skill set to extend it? Um, and I, I think there's some great SEL lessons to be had. You know, you can ask it to write a lesson, a letter rather, and ask it to be more polite or more direct and have a conversation about what might be some of the cultural values in how chat GPT deciphers that. Um, what might be some of like the generational differences to a direct message, um, you know, that is perceived to be more direct versus like how somebody who's a generation older or younger might perceive that. Uh, look at look at how it it um, it understands and can navigate different text types. You can ask Chat GPT to write a Twitter thread. Compare yeah. that with a Twitter thread that you've seen um, that's had a lot of engagement or a lot of traction, and say, does Chat GPT really understand the nuances of that text type or not? So um, again, for me, it's the curiosity piece. Again, that I think there's a lot of great conversations to be had. And I just, I, um, yeah, I, I do see there's almost a polarized, a polarized non dialogue happening where some people are just saying, like, no, this is bad for creativity. And on the other side, saying, like, this is going to change everything. Right. Um, you know, we've, the pandemic did not change everything in education. Yeah. So um, I, I just think avoiding that polarization and really experimenting for yourself and looking for the nuance is going to be important here. Yeah. And I think the, you know, I, there's just so many great ways that you can use it. I think one of the things to understand about chat GPT uh, specifically is that its knowledge graph is based off of 2021, which at this point is two years old. So is there a way that you can use it in your classroom and use it as a historical perspective of, hey, what did we understand about give it a topic in 2021 versus you going out today, student, and what information did it get right? And what information has changed in just two years? You know, one of the things we talk about a lot when we talk about information literacy is understanding the half-life of knowledge. This is something I talk about all the time in my talks. And right now in 2023, as we start 2023, the half-life of knowledge, just general all knowledge is roughly 14 months, meaning half of every piece of knowledge that you know or believe you know has been changed, has updated, has some way become more relevant or less relevant in our lives every almost year, every 14 months. So you're looking at information from 2021 and trying to apply it to a world of 2023. There is a gap in there that I think we could play with with kids that is an information literacy gap that we start taking a hard look at, okay, well, what information has changed? If you're a science teacher, I think that to me, that gap would be so fun with kids. You know, to go to chat GPT and say, hey, what did we know about the solar system two years ago versus what do we know about it now with the new telescopes we have? <laughs> it's just unbelievable how fast this information is changing and help kids understand that this is the world they're going to, to live into. And I think it's a great time to be curious. We've just seen that Microsoft is dumping billions of dollars into you know, using chat GPT, there's another article that came out that I, you know, Google's releasing theirs and Bing's leasing. I mean, everybody all of a sudden had them all in the works 
this is the first one to come out and where does this propel it? And not that, not that AI, generative AI wasn't around before, you know, I think it's been brought to the forefront in, in the way that uh, chat GPT can write it. But th- I think the next six to eight months are going to be so much fun. And can you be okay when we talk about the creative mindset, there becomes this part of when you're creating something new, that there's this part of unknowing. And you have to be if you have to be okay in this space of unknowing before the breakthrough, right? This space of unknowing. And we as humans don't like to be there. We like to get through that. It frustrates us. We don't know what to do with it because we just want a yes or no answer. We just tell me what to do, Trisha. Tell me how I'm supposed to run my class, Trisha. We don't like in the, we don't like being in that unknowing, but it's in that unknowing that unlocks the power, true creative power of what is what it is that we're actually thinking about. So can we just be okay with this idea of being curious and know that it's okay not to know what the right answer is? It's okay that you kind of tried out chat GPT yesterday and today you go back and it's completely different. The button changed, <laughs> you know, you don't know how it's going to, how it's going and just be curious and it's okay not to know right now. Um, but you have to be curious and understanding that it's not going away. It's only going to probably get better. And from there we see what impact it makes. I, I totally agree. So we would love to hear from more listeners in terms of what are some of the conversations around generative AI? What are some of the tools that maybe you have tried out that um, they are just like the catalyst for more curiosity? We do have our voice memo button right on the homepage at shiftingschools.com. And of course, if you're curious about our five-day challenge, You can reach out to us, um, ask us some questions about uh, what's going to be there. You can also, you know, let us know, hey, this is a problem that I want to make sure my team can work on because I'm also willing to bet that there might be some listeners who are saying our parent caretaker community is also very curious um, about what this is going to mean, what conversations they might be having with their children at home. You know, Jeff, you and I are big believers that... We want to have better, richer, more meaningful conversations about social media at home. And I think um, I think AI is going to become a part of that conversation as well. Uh, you know, ChatGPT is trying to be transparent in terms of how they want to avoid bias. And right. even, you know, you can ask ChatGPT for certain to make certain predictions. Um, and what's great at the moment is they will let you know why certain things they cannot predict, what are the limitations, and what are all of the different factors. And I think for teachers who might teach the IB's theory of knowledge, that's a great thing to explore too. Like ChatGPT is saying, here's why I don't know the answer to that. Here are all the different things that are too complex for me to know. What are some of the other ways of knowing that ChatGPT can't access that's going to limit what they can do? I think that's another really great conversation. Yeah, I agree. And just to remind folks that uh, we have the pre-sale on now for both of these new courses, uh, the five-day challenge and the equity with AI, which is just another great conversation that we want to make sure that we're having. Do you want to talk a little bit about this? I mean, equity is on everybody's mind, but Trisha, I would say it's really a passion for you. Um, Talk a little bit about just this idea with equity and AI. What are some of the conversations we could be having around that? I think first and foremost, really understanding the history of AI and how 
yes, it has had some harmful practices in the past and why that's important to be aware of so that the new AI to come is held to a standard where we don't want it regurgitating bias, right? Mm. We don't want it spreading mis, dis, malinformation. And then, you know, Jeff, the other piece for me that's important, I think, for us to bear in mind is these districts who are banning it, you are creating an equity issue because for some students, their only access to learn about what it can do and what it cannot do might be at school. You know, the yeah. assumption that everybody has great internet or everybody has devices at home or, you know, everybody's going to have access to it outside of school, it's not true. Um, and I do think this tool is going to be really useful down the road. We're already seeing a lot of industries, people talking about how they're using it in their workplaces. And so I think sometimes when we completely restrict tools and we ban them in school, you're cutting off access that kids need. Mm. Um, and again, to just say, well, they'll go home and use it. No, they might not have access to it. And also, I think, you know, schools do have um, a, a role to play in terms of making sure that we're having conversation about mis and disinformation so that students can not only be really confident consumers of what they are reading and they're able to question, um, but also when they are producing texts, right, they, they also know what it means to make a well-researched argument. And I think this is now part of the equation. Right. Um, you know, and I just, I think back to when the internet first really, you know, started to develop and we were amazed by Google. And I know that there was a knee-jerk reaction by some folks in education to say, like, I don't want my students to be able to Google this. And, you know, today in 2023, I think I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's going to say, I don't want students to be able to Google information, right? Yeah. Google's one of the tools in, the, in their toolkit, and uh, we're going to talk about what that means. And I do think that generative AI is a part of that also. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a great lens. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Let's just go back to like 2019 that we talked about giving every kid a device, every kid a laptop in our schools because it was an equity issue. And then the pandemic hit and we saw that equity get actually put right in our face. School districts who were already one-to-one, -one, who already were giving students access to this information, were able to pivot much faster than school districts who were not looking at it through an equity lens. And I mean, we had school districts here and some of the school districts that we supported through the pandemic. It was almost the halfway through the 20, what would it have been, 2020, 21 school year before they finally got every student a laptop. Because once the pandemic hit, everybody was trying to buy laptops for their kids in the supply chain. And all of a sudden we had an equity issue. You know, this school district who's already been one-to-one, -one, kids have been taking it home, is at a different playing field than a school district who's trying to dismantle carts, who's trying to go out and get more Chromebooks so that we can have an equitable, equitable education for them as well. And we just came through that. And we, we, we saw this inequity in technology be thrown in our faces. And here we are a couple of years past it now. And you're having the exact same conversation of how do we make it equitable with technology? Technology is an equitability issue. It's not a connectivity issue. And if we can look at it through that lens, that if our job is to prepare students for college, career, and life, 
then we need to make sure we are creating an environment that is equitable for all kids. And no matter what that is, it's going to include technology. It's going to include media literacy and information literacy, and it's going to probably include some kind of AI. <laughs> and, and so how do we, if that is our job in K-12 education, then we can't look at these things and think about, well, we need to ban it because we don't know how it works. We have to get curious about them. We have to figure out what it is. Talk to people out in the industry. I have friends who are in the HR world and they're looking at it of ways to write job descriptions. How do you quickly write a job description that is more equitable and more open to more people because the way ChatGPT writes is different than say an HR manager in a specific city with a specific background. And so it's very fascinating even the way that we're seeing this, you know, start to take place uh, and make these small changes in the uh, corporate world as well. So yeah, that's right. Um, you know, the the website, theconversation.com recently did a piece about how AI is going to be really useful and has the capacity to help people with communications disabilities. And, you know, one of the one of the kind of bullet points they offered was this is going to be a way for people to really suggest ways to practice or rehearse different social situations and different conversations um, that might you know, really be daunting. So uh, again, I, I think it'll be interesting and the course will focus both on the ways that this can be a very supportive tool and also the ways that, of course, we need to hold organizations um, that have tools like this to account. You know, I'm, I'm also really interested. Folks are very excited about ChatGPT. I don't know that it's going to be free for ever. Very much longer. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's, that's the other piece is, will we have banned it in schools and then it's going to be behind a paywall. Um, so I don't know. Um, the equity piece, you know, again, we we really love hearing from listeners. If you are a librarian listener, something that's been on my mind, Jeff, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to live in a place where local libraries are doing amazing things with equity. At my local library, you can take out different musical instruments. You can take out a telescope. Mm. Um, they also, they're doing a lot now with hydroponic gardening. So if you want to learn to like mm. grow your own lettuce, you can go to the library for that. Um, and they're expanding to also have a tool library. So for people that maybe they've got to do like a little fix it up project around the house and you don't have, you know, X, Y, and Z to do that, you can get it from the library. So I'm really curious to hear from our librarian listeners, what's your library doing in terms of giving folks access to things that they might not have access to? If your library is doing something really cool around that, we'd love, love, love to hear from you. Yeah. And again, there's a uh, record button right there on shiftingschools.com. Of course, you can always reach out to us at info at shifting schools, Trisha at shifting schools, Jeff at shifting schools, pick your email address uh, of those three and it, it'll make its way to, to us as well. But right there, if you go to shifting schools.com, big orange button about halfway down the page, uh, you can click it, start recording. Uh, you can even test your mic before you send it to us. You can hear yourself, uh, make sure it sounds the way you want it to sound before you submit it over to us. Uh, and we will not play it on the, we won't play it here unless uh, you give us permission to. So don't feel like we're just going to take it and throw it up there. But uh, the really good ones, like one we heard today from Patrick, we can go out and 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 just, you know, share share different stories, share voices of what different schools are doing around being curious and around just what the future of education is going to look like, which we're always we're always wondering what what's the next thing? Um, what's the next thing in math? What's the next thing in 
fourth grade for me, you know, in the way we're going to do this. So, well, Trisha, thank you so much for this. Again, uh, you can go over to shiftingschools.com and find those two new courses right there on the homepage. They are for a limited time. This is the pre-sale for $75. That $75 is a school-wide license. So one person at your school can buy it and then you're going to make a copy of it and everybody in your school can have their own copy, uh, do their own reflective journal, have conversations however you want. We try to make this stuff uh, as cheaply as we possibly can with still being able to pay the bills. <laughs> so uh, that, that's where we're at. So for 75 bucks, you can go over there. Uh, that's the pre-sale. It will go up to $100 on February 6th. Uh, so you wanna lock that in now. Uh, give yourself a $25 uh, discount while you can. So, Trisha, any last words? Anything I forgot? I think that's it. But again, yeah, uh, thank you again, Patrick, for sending in your voice memo. And we love hearing from educators. So please do uh, think about sending us a voice memo, your thoughts, your questions. And if your campus is one where you feel like curiosity is thriving and you have a theory about why, we would love to hear that too. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. We'll see you on the next one.